0: to the Ad Court Podcast. Yes, we are back in town. Look, some of us may have been traveling overseas, some of us have been on cruise ships along the way, but now we have returned. We're in the same room at the same time to be recording, and it's very nice to be with you. I'm Pete, he's Dean, and we're looking forward to uh, taking you through a slightly revised format of the Ad
1: Court Podcast, Dean. Yes, looking forward to it. Great to be back, and as you say, a new format and a different way of presenting all the same news and Talking about the sport we love.
0: No, you can't say it's just a representation of the same stuff.
1: Less going through draws and uh, predictions, because we get all those wrong anyway and waste everyone's time listening to them. So, more about the news. How was your French Open? It was good. I watched it on TV, unlike you, who were courtside. Courtside. I've got to say, the French Open now, of
0: course, we have a lot of people listening from all over the world, and if you haven't been to the French Open, please make an appointment to do so, because each of the four Grand Slams has a particular particular flavour to it. So in Australia, you sort of party time and very relaxed sort of feel. Paris has this sense of elegance about it. There's just something, yeah, in Paris in the the springtime slash summertime, there's just something... There that uh, you don't capture anywhere else. Wimbledon, we've got that sense of tradition, and then I, I think we sort of roll with that sort of party time atmosphere again a bit towards the U.S. Open. So um, yeah, there's something really good, really special about the French Open, about playing on clay, uh, the grounds, the, the the ongoing saga of trying to get the grounds revamped and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. But it's just got a, a charm to it, I think. And it was an exceptional tournament. I think the Grand Slams over the past year or so has seen we've just seen that the level just rise each and every time
1: yeah it feels like every time they roll around the stakes are higher for some reason even though they're not you win you get a grand slam title and it's always been that way and it it probably always will be but yeah I guess the majors now when you when you get there they just feel like they've got so much in them and I guess it's with the history that Serena's chasing and and Novak was after this time or Rafa even yeah I'm not sure it's just something about them and they're fascinating and I uh, can't wait for the next one.
0: There's something sort of there as, as an international commentator about when the French players are playing well and they put on a show. So Gail Monfils wanders out to Philippe Chatre or Suzanne Longlon and there is a huge crowd and huge atmosphere cheering him on. The same with Songa, Gasquet, uh, Mahou, Simon, all of those players when they're up and firing well. Alize Cornet Cornet. on Cornet on the women's side that uh, there's just this huge atmosphere of support. The French crowds are very fair uh, for for all players and very supportive of all players. But I think it was uh, when the French players were out and about, it was just extraordinary. Just yeah. The, the atmosphere and the wave going through and the chanting and all that sort of stuff was just uh, incredible.
1: Yeah, and I guess that goes right the way through all the majors as well. They, they all just want... Their home people to to play well and and win, I guess. and it's been a while at, at most of them. I mean Serena and America, they're obviously very lucky there, but besides all uh, besides that one and Murray's only one at it once, it's been a bit of a drought at most of them, so I guess they're all just waiting and, and really supporting the players they can to get there. The most special
0: moment was in the final. Actually, after the final, yep. the round of applause for about three or four minutes for Novak Djokovic when he got up on stage to get the runner-up trophy, knowing they knew the backstory, they knew he was desperate, they knew this was his best chance out of the the other finals that he's made, and uh, to give him that sort of support, I thought was fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I know he was. Uh, he mentioned it during the week before that, saying, you know, sometimes he's not the favorite out there on that court, and this time, it, I mean, he may have been, but. Yeah, that was uh, an amazing reception that he received after it, and I think well-deserved as well. Yeah, I agree. And then Serena, unstoppable. Oh, yes. Yeah, she's... Uh...
0: Because the illness was sweeping around. Uh, Maria was, was sick. Serena was sick. Um, going through... the The way she was able to get through was just amazing, but we talked about Lucy Safarova during our podcast in the last uh, couple of months or so and how
1: she's having a career best year while just into the world's top 10. She did. I think we
0: were on board early
1: with that one. We were. She was on our watch list with about 700 other players, but she was there. <laughs> yeah, what a tournament. We were she... bound to get one right. <laughs> exactly. She had a great tournament and I mean, good on her. She's, she's been around for a while and, and now I guess was the time for her and uh, that final, I mean, Serena, five three-set matches she won to win it, so you can take nothing away from her. But, yeah, Safarova had a, a great tournament. Yeah, it's it's
0: interesting. When you look at it and assess it, you sort of go through There's so many different storylines over the course of the two weeks, and you go back to the first week and Roger Federer and those security issues, and I, I can tell you, as soon as that happened, because it's very easy to get down onto court Philippe Chatrier if you're sitting in the stands particularly on the sides you can actually get down to court level because there's sort of a VIP corporate area and then you're onto the court so you can see how people can actually get on the court and uh find their way there but I'll tell you what as soon as that happened uh security was tightened up I yeah. can tell you everyone found that the security was tightened up uh, along the way so Um, You had that, you had a bit of the scoreboard falling down, those sort of things which come up from time to time. There's the ongoing saga about the renovations and whether they'll be able to extend. Nothing much has been signed off on that to put a roof over the centre court. Um, There's all sorts of different things happening off the court, but the good part was, for the most part, the action was confined to what was happening on the court.
1: Yeah, and I mean there's always those little things that do happen in two weeks or just over two weeks of that many people in one place and all the media around, they're going to pick up anything like that that happens. So, I mean, overall, I think it was a good tournament and the the stories are mostly going to be positive and about the tennis.
0: Yeah, I, look, I think we saw some good signs from a number of players. Jack Sock is one that instantly spir- springs to mind. He took on Borna Coric in uh, the third round and had a win in straight sets there. Um, Coric big win over Robredo who doesn't lose five set matches, except that one, yeah. amazingly, um, to get a bit of a breakthrough there. A bit of a tough tough trot of late, and good to see him uh, moving his way through. And took on Nadal. He fell to Nadali took a set off him, and I think the signs are, are encouraging from that perspective. Um, I think from the Aussies' point of view, there were some good signs along the way. It took Djokovic and Murray to beat Curios and Kokonakis, um, that's that's always a good thing um, to know they're going to be
1: beaten by the top 10 because yep.
0: eventually we know that they will beat the top 10 players in the world.
1: Yeah, if you give them enough goes. And, I mean, Curios has already done that to a couple of them or so has Kokonakis with Golbus back in uh, Melbourne. But, yeah, I mean, those young, you know, the next brigade, I guess, they're, they're coming and it's just a matter of when, I guess, and which one of them gets there. It's good to see, though, that the Aussies and, I guess, the Americans... Jack Sock, especially, they're not afraid of the clay anymore. It seems like they're embracing that whole section of the season, which is good because it's so big. Yes, and on the women's side, Tamir
0: Byshynski was the one who made the real breakthrough and, and really had Serena Williams in a, a, a tight spot um, throughout the event, but just couldn't get through. Six love in the third set, so it all fell away very quickly. Anna Ivanovic finding some good form as well. The seventh seed, she's hanging on to her top ten ranking, which is great to see. Um, Alina Svitolina making a bit of a breakthrough here as well. Um, a good win over Elise Cornet. It was really touch and go in the, in that second set. And of course Lucy Safarova, the, the big story of the tournament.
1: Yeah, it was good the women's. It opened right up and I mean, the semi-final especially were, were good tennis, and Yusufa over played really well for the two weeks, and I, I did catch a couple of her matches, and she was striking the ball really well. And Joe Wilfrid Songa was playing like a man who's thinking, well,
0: this is probably my last chance,
1: Yeah. Well, or chances are running out. Yeah, it certainly looked like that, and it was good to see him play uh, relaxed, I guess. I'm not sure if relaxed is the right word, but... He, he just sort of played his game, and he's got such a good game when he does that. And, I mean, he's dangerous on almost every surface, but the grass is going to be interesting if he can get his game going again. We know what he's done there before. So, yeah, watch this space with Joe. It would be good if he can get fully fit and, and get a good period of tennis in again. So, any other highlights for you? There are a couple for me along the way. Yeah, I think we've we've covered off most of them that I know you're not going to go to, or that you're going to go to, sorry, so... I'll let you go with them. Yeah, Casey Delacqua. Great performance from, from
0: her in the doubles, reaching the doubles final. Another Grand Slam final. Just, again, couldn't <laughs> quite get over the line. Three-setter with Yaroslava Shvedova. If they can form a, a good combination over the next couple of weeks, then Wimbledon's not out of the question.
1: Yeah, I mean, Casey's been to so many finals. It's just a matter of time. Surely she'll get one eventually. And Lucy went 1-1 in terms
0: of finals too. Yes, she did. Which uh, was a good result. I mean, uh, winning with Bethany Maddox-Sands, you know, the great performance in Australia as well. So, again, they performed strongly in both. And good to see that the energy expended was not too much, causing Lucy to pull out of the doubles, which we see... uh, we don't see it all that often, but from time to time, for players doing really well in the singles, they might uh, give the doubles away.
1: Yeah, it's rare to see someone get to the final of both uh, for that reason, exactly. And, and I guess the more on the men's side, though, the people that are expecting to get to the deep into the second week, they don't even play the doubles, so... It is good to see someone make the, the finals of both.
0: And uh, Dodi Gamello getting a win over the Bryan Brothers, that was a, a gripping final. Not many people in the stadium sticking around for it, but 6-7, 7-6, 7-5 was incredible
1: tennis. Yeah, All yeah. the way through. Bryan Brothers again, I mean, the margins are so fine in doubles at that level because of sort of the style of the game and... That, that match there proves that a couple points here or there and they win another Grand Slam title, but credit to the other guys and, and Mallow and Dodig, they, they deserve it. Absolutely. Now, let's uh, turn
0: our attention to the grass. What do we learn out of this week's grass court events, both on the ATP and WTA?
1: I don't think there's a whole lot you can take out of it, the sort of transition happening, and you see a lot of players, I mean, Matty Ebden winning a challenger, and it, it just shows those grass court players and the people that have that game it just as soon as they're back on it they play well the only thing that caught my eye a little bit was Rafa. Yep. i know he had a bit of a struggle through the whole clay season not just the french uh, onto the grass and he actually played quite well and won the first title he's won there on grass in many years so that yeah that caught my eye a little bit just to see that if he can get a couple of tournaments in a bit of form he's still a threat at wimbledon i believe yep
0: absolutely um I agree. We didn't really learn a hell of a lot. Uh, Radvanska getting to the semifinals. Yep. Um, what we did learn was that we're going to see a lot of rain over in the UK <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, because that played havoc with the, the tournament at Nottingham. Um, six love the third set to Monica Nicolescu, who is one of the most awkward players to play against. Forehand slice, backhand <laughs> slice, chips the ball around. Oh, it's frustrating. Um, but look, building a little bit of confidence heading into what is a good tournament for her in Wimbledon. Has reached the final before, so knows her way around, but needs a couple more weeks of play, and I think was uh, almost a last-minute sort of addition to that field, desperate to get some match play in. Um, But good performance from Anna Konyu, who's a junior player making the the transition to um, senior ranks, the WTA ranks, so good performance, I think, from her terms of making a, a bit of a breakthrough at WTA level
1: yeah not a bad way to make the transition win a title and on your way yeah exactly
0: <laughs> well that's her first title on the WTA and ranked 55 in the world so good performance and that rankings only going to go up and yep uh, yeah, so I think look, we got through, and I think a lot more challenger tournaments uh, as well, which is great for those players. Uh, a bit more of an opportunity now with the three week gap between uh, the French Open at Wimbledon too. Yeah, gonna be good for players of all standards.
1: Yeah, and I mean on an Aussie sort of watch, I know Sam Groth. He's been sort of uh, he, well, he's been playing really well on the grass, but yeah, he's left the challenger circuit now and there were a couple sort of tournaments around that he could have chosen and I was really happy to see that he went for the the 250 and went all right there as well so it looks like players like Sam have have moved on and they're really coming along in the the rankings as well and as you say plenty of players left there to to play those challenges so no shortage at all but it's good to see so many tournaments around. Well, oh, disappointing, speaking of someone we're not going to see around,
0: Juan Martín Del Potro, back to square one again. Yes. This is the longest comeback of all time, uh, disappointingly. So, again, out, just out. We don't
1: know when he's coming back. No, 26, I think he is. And, yeah, that, that wrist injury's gone for surgery again. So, I think that's the third time he's had that done. And, yeah, it's never good. And, I mean, let's hope he can get back. Well, fingers, toes, everything crossed.
0: Laura Robson, too. Not sure whether she's. Sort of conflicting reports whether she'll play Wimbledon, then maybe she's not, or maybe she's a chance. Again, talking about injuries and and wrist injuries in particular, still TBA. Yeah. She's going to play. I don't don't necessarily think that rocking up to Wimbledon, having had no match play, is probably the best way to go. But this looks to just be continuously pushed back and back and back. Yeah,
1: especially not with the English press. I mean, it's not the place to to go out and try and blow out some cobwebs. So, the same again. I mean, hopefully she gets right and even if she has to miss Wimbledon, she gets her body right and she can have a a proper, I guess, American hard season and then away she goes from there. All right. uh, Winners and losers for the week. Yes, I've gone a little bit further back with my winner uh, more because we haven't had a podcast for a little while. And I could not go past Stan. I don't think he needs a second name anymore. He's going to go by Stan the man. And that performance, especially in the final, I mean, to blow Federer away like he did was a really good effort. But to get to that final and beat the red-hot favorite in the way he did was just amazing to watch. And credit to him for, for sticking to his game plan and being able to execute backhands like that for so long.
0: All right. My winner is Nicholas Mahu. Okay. Actually, good. the
1: winner is the ATP uh, Tour because the website,
0: new website looks fantastic. <laughs> I like the way it's set out. It's really well set out, good information, everything clear, clean, very nice what you want to see in the website, so what well on the ATP? Uh, but uh, Nicholas Mahu winning a grass court tournament last week. Fantastic for him
1: because he's doing your old style sort of serve volley. He's one of those players, isn't he? Gets back to the grass and he looks so much more comfortable. Yep, well done at the, uh, the the top shelf
0: open. He put in a great performance and, you know, a win over my man too. I don't easily give away those sort of winners when you beat David Goffin in the final. But he
1: won, he came through qualifying. A quick question on Mahou while you're there. Mm-hmm. Does he get into the French team for the Davis Cup on the back of a, a good grass court season? Hmm... Uh, Probably not
0: There's probably a few that are in, in front yeah. But Doubles Yeah Maybe
1: doubles it's Just an interesting thing to, to ponder To watch throughout the grass court season Well
0: the, the squads will be Announced yeah. While it's going While the Wimbledon's happening yeah. So I'd be very interested to see Who's uh, Who's picked for who But yeah, Certainly doubles would be Maybe his go Yeah Certainly a, an option And Because um, Julian Beneteau's not available Yes, he's uh, injured at the moment. Um, he's yeah, he's having surgery. So you got Songa, Simon, Monfis, Gasquet. Gasquet. So need you only have four. Yep.
1: So reverse, who does he?
0: Who does he drop? They're a very strong nation. That's my goodness. Uh, yeah. You, you have the whiteboard out, you, you, wouldn't, you
1: could not move the magnets. You could not move those four, could you? No, no I, don't th- I don't know if you can, but let's let's see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks and, and see what they're all doing on the grass. It would just be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, my winner, uh, loser of the week. Yeah, now this, it, I don't need this to be taken the wrong way because I'm going to the very top, and you know I, I don't like giving this award out. But you love it. My loser of the week, or, or of my period of time, is Novak Djokovic. <laughs> he not because of how he played, not because of how he carried himself. They were both amazing and, and and excellent, especially as we touched on earlier, how he got the the round of applause and how he accepted all of that and how he spoke. That was all wonderful. He had so much to lose in that match, and that's the reason I'm giving him the loser oh. of the week. He had so much to gain from winning it, and he just he just couldn't and. He didn't play particularly bad, but he just had so much riding on that one match of tennis in the end of the day, and he didn't get it done. So that's why I'm giving him the, the loser of the week. That's that's incredibly harsh. Really. It is, it is, and I don't need it to be, I don't mean it to be taken the wrong way, but yeah, just because of what he had to win. That's my, my reasoning. Oh, gee.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, I kind of I kind of see where you're going. We're going with that. Oh, okay, Pete. And who is your
1: loser of the week?
0: So mine goes to a tournament, but for no fault of their own. A whole tournament whole is tournament. A whole tournament. Um, the tournament. Unfortunately, the tournament in Nottingham, just being based in Nottingham, means <laughs> that you're going to be susceptible to the elements. And it meant that we had a backlog of matches because the rain just kept falling and falling and falling and uh, whole day's being washed out. So... The tournament organisers, of course, when you're trying to, you know, get people on board and sell tickets and stuff, you don't need rain. I know, I've been to enough Hobart internationals (laughs) to tell you what the rain can do to derail the tournament. But they turned a losing position into a winning position because they were able to get the tournament through and we only uh, started playing on the, uh, we went over to the Monday as opposed to the Sunday. But there were matches after matches being <laughs> played on the same day. So there were some very tired players by the end of it. So unfortunate, but the elements got in the way, and I think that's going to be a common theme.
1: So you've given your loser of the week to a whole tournament based on rain. Yes. Okay. And then and then I've said they've redeemed themselves. They've,
0: they turned a losing situation into a winning situation.
1: Yeah, you don't feel comfortable when you leave someone
0: called a loser, do you? No. no. I like to find the positives in everything. So the, uh, there was a winning situation because they managed to schedule very uh, innovative scheduling because there were just there were two matches on the same day and they were scheduled across courts and we only lost a day after all of that.
1: Very good. So there you go. You got through
0: it. I'm sure we'll get better as we <laughs> go along uh, with this segment. We'll build it up to something that uh, really you can't afford to miss. A break. Uh, New segment coming up, we're going to be calling it Aces and Double Faults. It's coming up next on the Ad Court Podcast. Welcome back to the Ad Court Podcast. Pete and Dean with you. This next segment, we're going to call Aces and Double Faults. The burning questions, well, in our minds anyway, for the week. And uh, it's either going to be an ace... We agree with what's being proposed, or a double fault? We disagree with what's being proposed. So, my question, our first question is to you. I'm ready.
1: Delpo will never return to the Tour. Ace or double fault? Uh, double fault. I think he will return to the Tour. And actually, I really hope he returns to the Tour, and I think that's more than I actually believe he will. Uh, the wrist is a real worry, but he's 26. So, let's get this right. If it takes another year, so be it. He comes back and he's 27. He's got the talent. We know what he's done when he's been in form and winning Grand Slam. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got enough time. So, I think he will return. All Delpo? Right. Go. Okay. Number two. The grass court season didn't need to be changed.
0: Oh, no, that's a definite double fold. It did need to be changed. That, that's a very, very silly proposition you're putting out there. You really need to uh, tidy up these questions if that's what you're going with first off. No, it did. It did, because Wimbledon needs to be afforded a bit more respect in terms of the lead-up to the events. And uh, to get the players, best players, out of the French Open, off the clay, they can have a week off, they can play the second week and have the third week off, or they can have the first two weeks off and play the third week. It allows for ultimate flexibility rather than this huge rush to get from one surface to the next with the Grand Slams being so close together. It's one of the best things that's ever happened, and I think we will see... I think we'll see a better standard of tennis overall at Wimbledon this year. Very strong. Because of it.
1: Very strong on that one. Serena is getting better with age. Double fault. She's won 20 Grand Slams across a long career. I don't know if she's getting better, but I think what she is doing is she's finding a way to win every time she plays a big match. Uh, and the French Open proved that when she was unwell, it's not her favourite surface. She's won less Grand Slams there than everywhere else. So Less majors, sorry. And she was uh 5-3 set matches and she just finds a way to win. So I'm not sure that she's actually getting better, but she's right up there with as good as they get. That's the end of that one. Mhm. Keep going. All right, Hewitt should have retired at the Australian Open 2015.
0: Uh, double fold. He can retire whenever he likes. I think he's serving an important important purpose here. Well, we have the, we've had the announcement, so we know, we knew it was going to be another year. Um was received a nice award from the Queen's Club. He's won that four times and deservedly so. Receive a huge ovation again, um, no matter what happens at Wimbledon this year. Um, he's not playing the full complement of tournament, so play the Davis Cup and, and big chance against Kazakhstan to try and advance that forward. Maybe prepare for a semi-final. Um, hopefully the results go the way of the Australians. No, I think it's a good move. and Announced it in plenty of time, so chance to say goodbye and, and these stars can go whenever they whenever they please and he's transitioning into that Davis Cup captain role so as well as travelling around and playing himself he's helping uh, the younger Aussie players as well so no, double fault should, he should have kept going Stan is now with the big four, ace or
1: double fault? Ace, he is, he is dangerous to the big four at big times in big tournaments, uh, he's proven that more than once uh, he won the Australian Open when he beat the number one and number two seed in that same tournament and then you just did it again in France so he may not agree he said he doesn't think he's as good as the big four but at the moment particularly he is uh, very dangerous to all of them and I don't think he can go into any match at any of the Grand Slams now uh, with Stan and one of the other big four as they call them uh, and say that Stan can't win because he's got all the weapons and so much power and yeah he, he is as good as them All right, Rafa won't rejoin the
0: big four. Uh, No, I'm going to say double fold at this stage. I need a a bigger body of evidence. Uh, By his own admission, the the past couple of months haven't been great for him. Still being competitive in Paris, even though he didn't ultimately get the W, um, straight sets against Djokovic. But look, he's going to be fresh on grass for the first time in a long time. Um, already won a a tournament there. He's setting himself for a big second half of the year. He'll, yeah, at the the moment he's 10th. I think he'll stay inside the top 10 and I think he'll push back up towards the top five by the end of the year. So yes, he can be back with the big four along the way. Anna Ivanovic
1: will make top five by the end of the year. Ace or double fault? This one is the borderline one. I'm going to say double fault just because she's not there now. (laughs) No.
0: You can't base it on that. And not I'm the question. not
1: sure she's going to be able to improve and make it there by the end of the year. She's prone to the early exit, and if it happens at the wrong tournaments, then there goes top five. Top five is very, very difficult to make and maintain. So to be there by the end of the year, uh, very difficult, and I think she might just miss it. That one, though, is my least least sure of Can't afford answers. to
0: get off to glo- a slow start, but I wouldn't comment on your questions. Carry on. <laughs>
1: I've got one for you. Bouchard is a one-year wonder.
0: No, double fault. I think she could turn this around. Uh, the The pressure that's on her at the moment in terms of trying to get the coaching situation right, uh, the playing situation, very hard to replicate when you've had such a big breakout year to try and replicate that sort of form again. Even someone like Novak Djokovic, who a couple of years ago won everything and, again, it took had a, a slightly less of a year than next year now he's, obviously this year he's won almost everything again um, it, it can happen it can turn around and I think it will it will turn around a bit of pressure off after Wimbledon just to go back refocus on the game um, they've worked out the game plan That's that's the problem so needs to find a plan B and things like that in her game but I think she can she's still very young still very young absolutely
1: Andy Murray will win Wimbledon this year Double fault. I think Novak Djokovic is the man to beat there, and I'm not sure the pressure of the French. That that may have gotten to him in the final. I know Stan played ridiculously well, but Novak's won before at Wimbledon, and let's take out one match. He has been almost unbeatable for the whole year, so I think he's got to go in as red-hot favourite, and I think he'll be the one to beat, but Andy will be in the mix, but I'm not sure he'll win it. Tomek is not getting the credit he deserves for a, se- a career-defining season, career-best season.
0: Yeah, ace. He isn't, really. Talk about the consistency, and he's managed to lift his ranking. And we're not really... He's sort of the third line. Kokonakis and Kyrgios have sort of gone a little bit past him in terms of the publicity stakes. And I think this is actually not a bad spot for, for Bernie. The, the, the focus, the intense spotlight is not going to be on him during Wimbledon because we've got Leighton, his final Wimbledon, We've got those other two who will capture the attention of the international media. Bernie will be allowed to do his own thing, and I think this is uh, kind of working. He's fit, and he's putting in good performances. He's on a surface he'll enjoy, and he can cause some headaches uh, along the way here at Wimbledon. I think the quarters, depending on the draw, is not out of the question, and hopefully be able to continue that on. But we're seeing a more consistent Bernard Tomic, and he deserves more credit for that. Okay. So there you go. More questions coming up in our next edition of the podcast. But on the other side of the break, we'll have a look ahead to the events of this week. A bit of an Aussie watch as well. Plenty to come on the Ad Court podcast. Welcome back to the Core podcast. Pete and Dean with you. And just recovering after uh, having to answer all those hard-hitting questions. And don't worry, they will go up a gear the more podcasts we do throughout the year. A couple of big events coming up on the ATP and WTA Tour. Halle, Queen's Club, talking about traditional sort of stuff. And then uh, the tournament in Birmingham, which uh, just has a star-studded field uh, through it. With Simona Halep uh, in as the top seed. Anna Ivanovic in as the, the second seed. And uh, look, again, hopefully we'll get a little bit of a gauge to see how the the top players are are playing. Um, There's still an opportunity for players on the ATP to play at um, Nottingham and then Eastbourne for the women, so, there's still those opportunities that are existing there, but uh, this, this week, I think will we'll, uh, tell us a little bit more, a lot more than what we got from the first week of events.
1: Yeah, and it looks as though, well, we're looking at them now, that a lot more players are back, and as you say, they've had a week off after the French, now they're ready to go, and there's so many challenges as well. I think there's five off the top of my head, so there's players everywhere this week, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how some of the big names play, how quickly they adjust, and then also I like to watch the guys that, like the Mahood, they they wait for this time of the year, and this is their couple weeks. So, yeah, it'll be really interesting, and I think next week we'll know a lot more about the, the sort of lead-up to Wimbledon than we do at the moment.
0: We well, know Andy Roddick's going to be there in a commentary capacity. Yeah. He's going to be playing some doubles with Marty Fish in Atlanta later on this year.
1: Yeah, good on him. I mean,
0: good luck breaking him. <laughs> Well, I think he's still he's still playing on a semi-regular basis. It might, might seem at Wimbledon just uh, having a bit of hit, just uh, keeping himself in shape.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's got the game for it, and as you say, I mean, I think he's played on the Champions Tour a little bit, and he's still got a booming serve and a big forehand. So, yeah, perfect. Great for doubles. He's always trying to get into the net when he was playing singles. So, yeah, I think they will actually go quite well at Atlanta, but you never know. It'll uh it'll be an interesting time.
0: It will be. And uh interesting times coming up. Uh, a bit of an Aussie watch too. I mean all the big names now uh getting into full swing and Tanasi Kokonakis has been here, there and everywhere over the past week. If you've been following him on Twitter, um he's been back to Australia to visit a relative who's not too well. He's made his way back, he's been taking public transport. He's just uh he's been very, very busy. Yeah fair and- to say.
1: He's had a big couple of months. I guess this is his first real year on the tour. And I mean, Twitter just opens it all up. You see everything now and or everything they want you to see. And it's really good access, I think. And I mean, they're ready to go. There's so many Aussies playing at the lower level as well. And Maddie Ebden had a win. And as we touched on before, Sam Groth's stepped up a little bit and Kirios is back this week. So Yeah, plenty of Aussies to watch as well and hopefully a few have a win.
0: And good to see them all together as well in England. Um, I know that um, Kyrgios has moved down there and Hewitt's got a place and all that sort of thing so um, they've got a base for the um, English summer as it were the next couple of weeks anyway which is good to see.
1: Yeah it is good that they they stick together. I think that helps with sort of your development and and someone to push you even uh, in a friendly way I suppose but Yeah, I mean, it's great to have that for your Davis Cup team as well.
0: Yeah, exactly, because they'll be hightailing it as soon as... uh, I reckon as soon as they're out, all the Aussies are out of Wimbledon, they'll be straight home to Darwin to prepare. Yeah. Um, That'll happen uh, pretty quickly, one would imagine.
1: Yeah, I think so. So,
0: big week coming up. Wimbledon not too far away. We're uh, just building up nicely to it. Very, very much looking forward to Wimbledon uh, but... Coming up in our next edition, we'll have more aces and double faults. We'll have plenty of news from around the tour, so make sure you join us then on the 8 Corp Podcast.